1: Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at borough.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at borough.com slash ACAST. I'm Grace Dent, and this is Comfort Eating from The Guardian. A podcast where we pay homage to the lesser celebrated foods in life. Because even as a restaurant critic, I believe the food that matters most is often that snack you cobbled together when you're curled up on the sofa. Each week, I ask my guest to lift the lid on what comfort foods have seen them through their lives. Because you can tell a lot about a person from what they eat behind closed doors. Hello, friends. As promised, we're back with a bonus episode Oh, you lucky things. You're about to hear a recording of our first ever comfort eating live that we recorded in London earlier this year with Chelsea's cheekiest chap, Jamie Lang. A huge thank you from me and the team to all of you for listening to this series. It has been a cracker. I hope you have a wonderful summer and I'll see you back here for series four. Okay? Deal? Is that a deal? For now, enjoy. Enjoy jamie lang
0: please welcome to the stage grace Dent. hello
1: hello 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 people welcome to comfort eating live this is the first time that i've done this in front of an audience it's so bizarre comfort eating is a really intimate thing normally, and it's just normally me at my table in my house. And um, for about the f- about the first hour before people arrive, I'm generally just running around really quickly, hiding like knickers off radiators, <laughs> and uh, and trying to you know like trying to round cats up. That's another thing. Trying to and bribing them with tuna and things like that. So I want you to imagine that my guest this evening is a reality television star a rival a rival podcaster a confectioner and of course the official cheeky chappie of the king's road he first burst onto our screens in 2011 on made in chelsea and has since then gone on to appear on all sorts of shows including finishing runner up on strictly come dancing He's certainly no stranger to the limelight, but I'm excited to find out what he eats when there's no one else around. So let us welcome onto the stage, Jamie Lang. Hello, darling. Hello,
0: everyone. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Hello. Hello. Oh. Um. Hello, hello. Oh, do I stand still?
1: No, 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 no. Let's sit. Okay. That was quite awkward, wasn't it? Sorry, I was kind of looming over you. I tell you why, because you've brought your snack with you.
0: Yes. Do I tell you what it is now?
1: I don't know what it is. No. I don't know what it is. Hang on, I'll ask you one of my very pertinent questions first. (laughs) Okay. Jamie. Yes. You are the great, great, great grandson of Sir Alexander Grant, the first baronet. For, no, Sir Alexander Grant, first baronet, who, in 1892, invented the McVitie's digestive biscuit. I know.
0: Isn't that insane? But, but as I... I, there's this, I was saying this before, there's this sort of perception, right, that I'm some billionaire... And I'm not. Are you not? No, I'm totally not. So I get all the stigma for being one and none of the money. So it's a really bad place to be. My
1: question was much bigger than okay. class or money. Yeah. If you, could have, if you could have invented any biscuit, which would it have been?
0: It's a way better question. Um, God, that is so hard. I would... Uh, is this really boring? I would go for shortbread. Oh, no, that yeah. is boring. That's, why is that boring? What would you pick? The Kit Kat. Sorry, that's not a biscuit. That's a chocolate bar.
1: No, 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 no. The Kit Kat is a biscuit.
0: Anything that you buy in a newsagent which is underneath the till, that counts as a chocolate bar. And a Kit Kat would be there.
1: I, we're going to have to have a vote. OK. Is the Kit Kat. And this is the right answer. <laughs> I can't, can, sorry, I'm... Can I just read it? Is Is it a cake? biscuit? Oh, right, that's how I'm going on. It,
0: it's a chocolate <laughs> bar, isn't it? What, yeah. yeah, what's a Twix? Anyway. Another biscuit? <laughs> Moving on. Can I, also, can I ask a question before we start? And thank you so much for having me. Um, with, d- d- are you sitting in a bath of chips? Yes. Wow. No,
1: they, I mean, it's real. It's real. I mean, basically, yeah, they, they, I got in. Yep. And then they built me up with chips. And yeah. then I just sat, and I'd sat. And do you know, I, and I... Did you eat? Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they were hot. We got them from um, poppies in... Uh, oh, so it was
0: like, a, so you had to get, when yeah. you got in, you went, oh, the,
1: oh, 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 oh. Yeah, oh, like it there. was a real bar. And the, um, the gravy was real, and I love chips and gravy. So um, I was... It, the min- this is too much information. No, when I hot. got in and they built the chips up, I realised that I needed a wee. And I couldn't get out for hours. So that face is me thinking, please, please. Go. Anyway, moving on again. Why, why, can, I,
0: can I say, um, why does that happen as well? Does everyone else have this? Um, you, you run your bath and you go to the, ba- <laughs> you, you go to the bathroom and you, you have a pee. As soon as that first foot goes in, you need a pee. Why, why does that happen every time? Do you time? get out? Uh, yes. There you go.
1: <laughs> um... So this <laughs> this is the part of the show where normally my guest reveals to me what they eat behind closed doors when no one's looking. The only difference here is there's just loads of people looking. Yeah. So I hope it's a snack you're proud of. Mm. Unveil the snack. Okay. Open it up. I'm really I have bit, no idea uh, what's in there.
0: I'm slightly worried about this one.
1: Yeah, they all people are always worried.
0: Okay, so I'm gonna take Everybody
1: that comes to my house is I think it's like after they've revealed the snack and we get past this bit, it's like a weight's lifted. They really worry yeah. about being judged about the snack because it is, it's an intimate thing.
0: Okay, so here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's going to be a prawn cocktail? Okay, hold on one second. What? Oh. Hold on. Oh. There's more. Scotch egg. Oh. Uh, mayonnaise. Okay, and a hot dog bun, and they kind of got a brioche posh dog. Okay. Bun.
1: Okay. So
0: shall I explain the snack? Oh, do it. Yes. Okay. So this should we, is what do you I, want
1: to assemble as you go?
0: Yeah, I'm going to assemble as I go. So this is what I used to. I have all the time. I had it as a kid, um, and it's possibly the most delicious thing in the world. So it's very simple. Um, you get yourself a Scotch egg, which is there, and typically you would have a mug. But I have a wine glass. So you then get the scotch egg, all right, and you break it up bit by bit. Okay, just bear with me. You break it up bit by bit, like so, and you put it in to the wine glass, like that. You put it in there. So it goes all broken up
1: like that. Hold on. Oh, no. (laughs) No, no.
0: The egg is gone. The egg is gone. Hold on one second. So it goes in there like that. Hold on. It's all in there. Then you break up the egg.
1: Oh, God. And it, it's always about this point with the guest that I think,
0: yeah. and I have to eat this. It's about this point that I realise what, what I'm doing.
1: I, ha- I have to eat it because it's part of... I mean, it's part of the show. And then... And, and I... It, yeah. But, I mean... It's, no, this is a very, very real experience of comfort eating. Because it's like...
0: Yeah, so then what you do is once you... And you open up your mayonnaise. Here we go, so you open up your mayonnaise. And then you you squeeze the mayonnaise into your mug or your wine glass. This is, what is wrong so far with this? You then get your spoon. (laughs) You mix it around. So it's all mixed around in there. You then get your hot dog bun. You open up the hot dog bun, like so. Like this.
1: When did you invent this? When did you...
0: I I did it when I was younger, all the time. This is my go-to snack. Student? As a student? No, no, no. Before uh, that? uh, Before that and until adult life How Do you
1: still eat this now? Uh,
0: Occasionally, yeah.
1: You look remarkably well.
0: (laughs) This is uh, the diet that I have. And then what you do is you get your scotch egg and you put it in to your... Hot dog bun, like so, like that, with all of the Scotch egg and the mayonnaise together, like this. You put it in there.
1: When did you last eat this?
0: Um, maybe a few years ago. <laughs> no, okay. I didn't. I know. Yeah. I ate it actually the other day. It's simply delicious. Then, so that goes all in there like that. You then get your crisps. What,
1: what, why the Scotch egg? Is it the?
0: Is it the? What's well, the meat and the? The the, egg so- the sausage. The sausage. Yeah. Do you know what? as, okay, a, as a kid? On, right. As a kid, I never knew how they made a Scotch egg. No, it's best not to ask. <laughs> then you get your uh, crisps to... and you, you, can, you can break them up or you can just put them in. So I'm going to break them up a little bit. Here we go. You put them on top like so and then you eat that. Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay. Are you going to try and cut it? I was, uh, do you know I was going to cut it? Some people have just left because they are so appalled.
1: <laughs> Hold my mic.
0: Okay, here we go. I almost want a drum roll. <laughs> oh, do I hold okay, yeah, don't eat the mayonnaise lid. There we go. And then oh you're gonna oh
1: it I mean it's exactly as I thought it is <laughs> now.
0: <laughs> yeah. What does it taste of? Does it taste it's, of Scotch egg and, and... It, it tastes of a Scotch egg you'd get from a garage
1: <laughs> in a roll?
0: oh my god that's delicious
1: but that's the point of the show that you know that I mean that brings you comfort
0: that brings me so much comfort because I was at a boarding school and at boarding school food is this kind of fuel you just get given it so you just eat as fast as you can and so then when I used to come home and I could actually eat at my own hours it was the best thing because I used to eat this so I used to go into the kitchen and I'd get my scotch egg sometimes I would double up I'd get two Scotch eggs and make two buns, and sprinkle everything on. Yeah. It's delicious. What is your go-to snack? Does the, everyone know this?
1: Um, the one that began the show, really, yeah. that kind of uh, was, a, it changes, but it's oven chips with powdered gravy and mint sauce. That sometimes peas, sometimes. <laughs> powdered? Sometimes peas, if you're feeling fancy. So. Go mad. It's an instant Sunday dinner.
0: Yeah. So, so, hold on. So, powdered gravy.
1: Yeah. I bet you've never seen powdered gravy, have you? Wow. I bet you've never. Right, like, I tell You'll you what. You'll be surprised though. Let, us let's, let's get into this because about whether you've lived a life that's ever seen powdered gravy. <laughs> I'm going to start you right at the beginning. You were born James Robin Grant Lang in Oxford in 1988. You grew up in a village called Castle Eaton, which already sounds very posh, with your mum and your dad and your siblings. Paint me a picture of life on South Farm. <laughs> South Farm.
0: Yeah, that's what it was, South Farm. South um, Farm. If you, if you do that thing, which is where, if you ever want to find your um, porn name, do you ever do that? Where you have to take yeah. your first home or street that you lived on and your first dog's name. I always thought mine was great because mine is South Farm Chevy. <laughs> Which I think is great. Um, so South Farm, yeah, it was a farm. My dad uh, uh, was a farmer, or he went to agriculture college, so I think he, just, he bought a farm. Um, and God, trying to be relatable. Um, and uh, uh, and we, we grew up in this amazing, um, idyllic house. We had my, my dad, my mum is my dad's second wife. He's had a lot of wives. Um, and uh, so we had my two half-sisters there as well. We grew up in this house, and we had a tennis court and swimming pool and all these different things. It was amazing. And I, was, I lived there until I was about seven years old. And I remember when I was about five years old, and I went to my friend's house, my friend Tom Dukenfield's house, and I couldn't understand why he didn't have a swimming pool. I, d- I just I couldn't yeah. understand it. It was completely bizarre to me.
1: I think you might be the most genuinely posh person (laughs) that we've ever had on comfort eating i think we've had a lot of pretenders that think they had nice backgrounds i was thinking about this on the car here i think Mm. that stephen fry was may maybe up there i think he's posher
0: than me no i don't know because not
1: many farms have tennis courts (laughs) do they (laughs) darling that's not normal
0: Yeah, that is uh, that is not normal. Did you
1: have a nanny?
0: I had a nanny. Her name was Julie, and Julie um, Julie used to. uh, I used to. I I used to. get into tantrums and I, would, and I would get very upset and the way that she used to control me because we lived near we lived near Swindon so we were sort of uh, that area and she would hold me tight and I would scream and she would say Swindon can't hear you and so I'd just get louder and louder until I uh, fell asleep because I was just so exhausted and that's how she sort of handled me. She did this one time where she said if you scream again I'm going to take you to the police I kind of love her that, I love this woman it was so terrible. hang
1: on So she wasn't like... Mary Poppins. Yeah, this is like... I always think that if you had... Because I didn't have a nanny. um, I I always think that um, if you had a nanny, she's just like this joyous, sparkling personality who keeps... Who just cuddles you and... Nope. No.
0: But she was amazing and she was incredible, um, but she was tough. And I I remember I used to... I used to hate... um, I used to hate going to the potty. I used to always be naked. And I used to just... Uh, defecate everywhere, I think. <laughs> like a dog. And so she, she used to tie me to the. She used to, <laughs> she used to tie me to the potty. So I went and also uh, my posture as a kid, right? My posture wasn't so good. So she used to tie a fork to the back of the chair. So if I slumped, the fork would jab into my back. It's actually child abuse if I think about it. Yeah. So okay. it was tough. But she what she did teach me, um, which I think is imp- really good, is manners. So that's why I would say I'm, I'm quite polite. Because of Julie.
1: Was Nanny Julie a good cook?
0: She, um, she wasn't the greatest cook, I don't think. All I remember was that I used to... Any, the greatest excuse ever, which I found out very early, was if you wanted to be ill, you would say you had an earache. Because it was never... You could never... Test, so I'd say, well, I've got an earache. And they'd be like, oh, no, you don't. would be like, no, I've I got an earache. Never did. And we'd always... I think every single day Julie had for lunch, she would watch Home and Away, and she would have a baked <laughs> potato with... <laughs> Cheese, tuna, baked beans. And so I always knew if I was skipping school, I'd have a baked potato with cheese, tuna and baked beans while watching Home and Away. I didn't even know what Home and Away was. I just used to watch it and think everyone was on holiday. Does (laughs) does
1: that... I mean, does that make you feel strange now if you see that combination of food? Does it make you feel sad? Does it make you feel... Does it trigger me? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, does it make you feel like someone's going to tie you to a potty with a fork (laughs) at your back? I mean, it's not... I think yeah.
0: that I, 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 my my fiance, um, it's very fancy. Yeah, like getting married, guys. Um, my fiance has an amazing palate, and I think it's because her mum her, and her dad. Her dad's from Iraq, and so they had this hugely kind of like just different cuisines all the time. And mine was so simple. So my 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 palate is so bad in lots of ways um, and it's because I wasn't given different types of food when I was younger it was just very kind of like turkey dinosaurs waffles, potato waffles baked yeah. beans and things like that so well, I never really So
1: this is family, yeah. family meals so when you have come off the tennis court and yeah. you've got a swimming pool yeah. so you've been doing a bit of whatever, synchronised swimming, whatever the hell mm-hmm. posh people do But there was lemonade
0: they... in between from the butler I haven't
1: <laughs> Did you come in and then you sat at this, your
0: huge table, and did you have turkey drummers? I think, I seem to remember we did. I think it was, but, but I can't remember, I think my mum used to make bolognese, it was very kind of like, carb heavy, it wasn't sort of, you know, what we had, like taco, I, I, I didn't have an avocado, I think, until I was like 14. So it was nothing like that. Oh my like god,
1: that. are you okay?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Babe. I know. That is, <laughs> that is triggering. <laughs> Um,
1: so <laughs> but I just didn't. I just so, didn't develop so no, a good palate. No foie gras. No. No foie gras. No caviar. No
0: caviar. Yeah, none of that. Just
1: the turkey drummers. Turkey and drummers. And sitting at a huge table together, mm. eating and talking. Did you get on with everybody? We
0: did. We had we had a huge family. Well, I have a huge family. So we have I have five brothers and sisters, and then it was my mum and dad. And we used to always. It was always. Dinner and lunch and breakfast at the dinner table. We always do that as a family, which is great. Yes. My dad and on the weekends, my dad used to cook breakfast and used to make kippers. Oh, which is uh, that is a kippers. I don't it's, understand anyone who enjoys a kipper in the morning.
1: I I like a kipper, but it's a commitment, isn't it? Because you have that kipper and it's in your life. <laughs> it's some. It's there for two days, isn't it's it? It's in and it's, around your... it's in you. It's in the ether.
0: And what is not sexy is when, you know when someone goes, sorry, I've got morning breath. It's not sexy when you go, sorry, I've got kipper breath. <laughs> so you can't really use that.
1: At the age of eight, your parents divorced. You were sent to boarding school, Summerfields in Oxford. So that must have been a massive upheaval. What do you remember of that time?
0: Uh, not much. Not <laughs> much. Uh, so I was sent... So I was... I never really listened to things. I never really have listened to anything. So I was sent to boarding school at eight years old. And I remember arriving there, and I was shown around this school, and I didn't really understand. What, I thought I was just going... I didn't know what it was. No one explained it to me. And then at the end of the day, I said, okay, where's mum and dad? They said, well, they've gone home. I went, sorry, what? I said, yeah, they've gone home. Yeah, it was, and then they, I got given a school number, which was 237. So I thought, well, I have been arrested, and this must be <laughs> prison. And then uh, I went into a dormitory, which was Snoopy, called Snoopy. I remember to say it. And I, was, I was sleeping next to a guy called Pelham, Pelham Groom, who actually then tried to blow up the school with bangers. Which, yeah, he tried to do that. And my very first night in Somerville's, I was lying in bed going, this is pretty weird. And he sat bolt upright and went, Mommy! And I went, oh, God, what is this place? So it was quite traumatising in lots of ways. But at the same time... Jamie, that is...
1: Like one of the most traumatic things I've ever heard. I mean I know that you're I know you're laughing and we are laughing, but that's big. It's quite a triggering
0: podcast. Yeah, it
1: is. And that's but but that's the thing about the show. It is. It's like you know I mean right, okay. Was there anything nice to eat there? Was there anything lovely? Did they make you feel centered and warm and lovely with delicious snacks?
0: Cakes. Well, I, I'm kind of one of these people, I don't, I don't enjoy being sort of in the close I, I don't feel like feeling trapped, right? And so what boarding mm-hmm. school did is that environment where you are in, that, in a sort of certain place and you have times you get up, times you go to bed, times you eat, everything's on, on like a clock. Um, and breakfast for me was this time where uh, they would always make these sausages and still to this day, I can walk down the street or I can go into a certain place and if I smell that smell of sausages that it was, it brings me back to those school days. Mm. But the sausages were, were delicious. I don't know what they put in them. They, they had little buns. I think that's probably where my Scotch egg thing comes from. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> All those years of therapy. And we finally... That's, that's actually where it 75 pounds, from.
1: please. <laughs> we're going to have to do about eight or nine more sessions. <laughs>
0: But these sausages were amazing, and um, I always used to go back up for seconds all the time, and you weren't allowed seconds, that wasn't the thing, but I used to go up and the cooks used to really like me, because I think I was cheeky or whatever it was, and I used to go up and get these sausages again and put them in the buns, and it was also the place where I found out that having toast, butter, and sugar was a delicious treat.
1: Were you just allowed to have it?
0: No, but I, no, I stole the little sachets, and I put them on my, and I got in trouble once. I got I got in trouble once because I got caught doing it. and I wasn't allowed to do it, but it was so delicious. So I found out lots of little tricks and things like that. But school food wasn't. I remember this one time, still to this day. If I really think about it, it makes me feel a bit. I could almost retch. Is we had this sort of pink pudding that I really loved, and I don't know what it was. It wasn't mousse. It wasn't a pink flan. I don't know what the hell it was, but I was eating it once and I ate it and I crunched on something and I still today's day don't know what it was.
1: Oh, that was <laughs> a nail. Really that was a fingernail, me. wasn't
0: it? Yeah, I don't know what it was.
1: Did you get in trouble a lot at school? Were you a good student? I'm sorry, I'm assuming just because you said you used to steal sugar packets and make your own
0: yeah. things
1: or, or maybe you were a model pupil.
0: No, no, I was terrible. I was uh, really quite naughty. Uh, But naughty in like a good way, I think. Um, I used to do uh, lots of different things. We had this, um, one time when I went to my next school, which I'm sure we're going to come to, which is Radley, I organised something which I called roof running, which is where you would go out at night and you'd run along the, it's obvious, you'd run along the roofs. Um, And you'd run along the roofs. And I went with my friend Charlie, who had a size 52-inch waist. He was a big guy, Mm. really big guy. And we climbed on the roofs and we found our way into the kitchen. And I was like, this is amazing. It's incredible. Got into the kitchen and uh, we climbed through this window and we went to open this fridge and opened up and it was just full of haagen And I was like, this <gasps> is insane. So we sat there just eating haagen all night, just yeah. talking about how to rule the world. <laughs> it was amazing. And then yeah. I said, right, well, we've probably eaten enough ice cream now. And so we went to climb back out the window and I pulled myself and climbed out. He couldn't do it. He, was, he couldn't pull himself back out. What did you do? Well, as any roof runner would, you have to stay with the man behind. Oh, so that's... I had to stay with him until the morning, and I was furious. And then when the teachers came in and my housemaster, called Mr. Greed, found us, um, he got a detention, and I got nothing. Why? I don't know. I think because they thought he was the leader. But in fact, I was.
1: <laughs> You're the second person that's... Uh, come on the podcast and talked about getting on the school roof.
0: Really? Yeah. Is that a
1: thing? Yeah, well, it is a thing. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's... Uh, do you want to know who the other one is?
0: It, was Steven, it seemed right? No, it was
1: Greg Rutherford. Was it? Yeah, Greg Rutherford used to go get on the roof of his school.
0: I heard another great st- Yeah, but I think it's a
1: weird <laughs> thing. It, like, it's, it's, a, it's a real act of rebellion, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, when you're in closed circumstances to be able to get up the drain pipe and then run around on the roof
0: well because you're standing on top of everything that's telling you to to not get on top of them there's a there's a great story from bear grills bear grills came on my podcast and he went to a school which is called Eton college if anyone's heard of that um <laughs> and uh he there's a clock tower in Eton college which is this huge thing it's impossible to climb up but he climbed up it Um, by himself at night and got to the very top and he went to sign his name and there's a signature already up there and it was Ranulph Fiennes. And Ah. Ranulph Fiennes had done it before him. How cool is that?
1: And so then he signed it there.
0: It's amazing. I I climbed onto a roof and just found Pete Strauss, which was Andrew Strauss, not Pete Strauss, Andrew, (laughs) Pete Strauss, Andrew Strauss, who's the cricketer and he had written his name up there.
1: Were you sporty?
0: Yeah, I was, I was very sporty. Which was, was that
1: your thing? Because so, you were a sporty person, you didn't excel at other subjects, you
0: were a sporty kid. I was a sporty kid, and that's kind of what got me through, because I really didn't want to learn anything. Like, I just mm. didn't want to... I remember one of the worst moments was in our summer and I had to do my common entrance exam. We've all had this. Where I finished... <laughs> I think we have all had this... Um, had to do these exams, and I finished my maths exam, and I was looking around, I was like, you guys are all pretty slow. And um, I then started playing with my sharpener, and I unscrewed it, and cut my hand, and I was like, oh God, and blood went everywhere. And I used my exam paper to dab it, and I turned around, and I hadn't done the last two pages. And so the last two pages were just covered in blood. (laughs) So it was just this, so it looked like I'd done the exam, and then committed murder.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to put you down as not really academic.
0: This is The Guardian.
1: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
0: Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home,
1: After the divorce, your mum moved to London, mm-hmm. which was your home during the holidays. So London must have been incredibly eye-opening compared to Castle Eaton mm-hmm. and Summerfield School. What do you remember about the move? You get, so you first get to London.
0: So I, I remember I first got to London and we had come from a farm, as you know, with a swimming it's not pool. not a farm. <laughs> it's... We would come from a working farm where we all worked really hard, (laughs) milking every day and getting up early. And um, we moved to London and uh, I I had never, I'd been to London and whenever, going to London was like a special occasion. You'd be going to the theatre or you would be doing something, I don't know, you'd be having lunch with your grandmother or something like that. It would be something special, right? And so we arrived in London and I remember my mum saying, this is the house that we're now living in. Where was it? Uh, it was, uh, it was um, a little area I called Kensington. <laughs> yeah, trying to be relatable. <laughs> and Opposite the Scarsdale pub. Okay. Uh, number one Pembroke Cottages. Amazing. And number one Pembroke Cottages is connected to number two Pembroke Cottages. And, it's this, it, and I thought this, this house in front of me was my house. And I said to my mum, but it's quite small. And she said, "Well, you're going to be upset when you realise it's cut in half. Because oh. I didn't realise that in London a townhouse goes up rather than wide. So, so this was
1: a, this was a, just a tiny Kensington hovel that <laughs> they were forcing you to live in.
0: It was it was hard times. <laughs> but it was but what the thing the thing with what happened was is that." Um, I had never experienced I had just only experienced what I had in my life right, yeah. so I'd experienced all these different things um, and I just wasn't I didn't realise how the world was or how anyone else was or how anyone else lived I just knew how we lived, so moving from this countryside where I could run out and be naked and pee in the garden, do whatever. Suddenly moving to London into this townhouse and there being loads of loud noises and different things like that was intimidating and the saving grace was the fact that I could walk up to the top of the road and there was a Hagen and there was a Blockbuster and there was an Odeon Cinema yeah. all in a row and I used to, it, honestly still to this day, Blockbuster if I think about Blockbuster, it's like my happy place that I can go to because you would go in there and you would pick the DVDs and you would get the popcorn, you get the sweets and then you get the haagen yeah. It's just great.
1: That's when you're absolutely living. When you <laughs> got there and the video that you wanted, was avail- or the DVD that you wanted oh. was available. It was amazing.
0: That moment when mm. you found the DVD and you went behind it to see if you could rent it and it wasn't there. <gasps> All hell broke loose. All hell broke loose then. But it was, but it was yeah, It was. London was a complete sort of uh, culture shock in lots of different ways, and it was and it was so, so fast paced, which I, I, I found I found tricky to sort of coordinate because I was used to you know going on adventures that 's yeah. what I loved to. My brother and I used to go on adventures all the time. we would get mayonnaise pots and put stuff in it, and then go in, and heal trees and rub the mayonnaise on trees. It's killing trees yeah, on sorry that. yeah. We used to go and kill trees. <laughs> and, but we had this adventure all the time. Then when I moved to London, I, I feel like that's when I became an adult pretty quickly.
1: You enrolled at Radley College, an independent boys-only boarding school in Oxfordshire in your teenage years. So this is a very prestigious
0: school, isn't it? Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, yeah.
1: Were meal times there very kind of ri- ritualistic. This is what I always feel about boarding school, that the very good boarding schools are sometimes a bit strange around food.
0: Well, it was strange around food because because there was a hierarchy. So if you were in your first year, you had to wait till everyone else had their food. So you had to, even if you were first queue, you had to wait till everyone else had gone in front of you. So that was a kind of weird sort of, uh, formation, I suppose, that used to happen. And, and food was strange. We had lots of different things. So I would, breakfast would happen around 7 a.m. in the morning, which I would normally miss because I realized if you missed it, you could get a lion. So then I would lie in, not a lion. Not a lion. <laughs> no, you're going to lie in. Not a lion. You wouldn't get a real lion. That'd, that'd be, be weird. That'd be strange. Um, and, but then at 11 o'clock, you would have shop. And shop. 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 And shop was this wonderful place where you'd go in there and you could have chicken rolls and paninis and crisps and cookies and dark cokes and all these different things.
1: Hang on, wine back. you can have chicken rolls? Yeah. And paninis? Yeah. Like, I mean, that isn't just a shop, is it? Like, that's, I mean, who's cooking these things? Oh,
0: the people who work there. What, there's
1: an actual...
0: They were little elves. (laughs) Tiny. Tiny little elves. We never saw them.
1: So... (laughs) how do you pay for shop
0: do we... so your, your parents or your guardians whoever it was, would leave you some pocket money so you'd have pocket money that you could spend in shop that would be on your tab that you'd have so you'd go into shop and you'd say I, I would love a chicken roll or a panini or whatever it was and then you'd put it on your school tab okay and, and if you were if you were bowling you would have 60 pounds for the term and I was given £20 for the term. That's what I had. So you would have £20 that I would spend over a whole term. So how was...
1: quickly could you tear through that, though? Oh,
0: my God, a couple of weeks. Just gone. Those chicken rolls, I, 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 to this day, I should have had that as my...
1: Was it um, kind of sliced chicken or was it like re- reclaimed chicken pieces in some sort of batter? Uh, no,
0: I think they shredded tr- chicken put mayonnaise in it and other things and put it into a bun, like my scotch egg, and then sold it to you. That was delicious, but the panini that they had was this long, flat, toasted panini with chicken and bacon and something else in it, and it was phenomenal. It was simply delicious. And,
1: I used and then to have, did you have lunch? Then you had lunch. So, how, I mean, you must have been doing tons of sport, because how would you... <laughs> My work? calorie
0: intake was high. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, that's a lot of calories.
0: Yeah, so for, for shop, I would have every single day, I'd have a chicken roll, a panini, a bag of four cookies, I would have Branston uh, crisps and a Coca-Cola and read the Sun newspaper. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was this in the day of the page
0: three? Uh, uh, I think it was just no, it wasn't just page three. No, uh, it, I, I mean re- it
1: would be, but it what year was, back was then. this? This is in the nineties.
0: This is the two uh, thousands.
1: Oh Lord God, I thought this was right. Yeah, okay. So um, you sat down with your panini, avenue was this you trying to be working class? You were like, this is,
0: <laughs> this is, this is
1: what it must feel like. Is... I'm going to have a panini. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it was oh. but it's still to this day, I, I had this, this real, and it's nostalgia where when I eat food, I love reading sport. Yes. So I used to read sport in the newspaper. And so today, still this day, my favourite thing in the world is to go and have breakfast or lunch alone and, and read the sport. And it's yeah. back from my school days when I used to do it. Yeah. Um, and it
1: was amazing. You weren't just quite sporty at school, professional rugby. Was in your sights, but an injury at 17 forced you to give up. Yeah. So, you know, that must have had an enormous impact. Yeah, it, it was. You know, I, this is it. I don't want to joke about it because that's a big thing. What did you, what did you?
0: So I did my ACL ligament, but I think when you're when you if you're if you're if you paint you want to be an artist, right? If you're Mm -hmm. playing an instrument you want to be a rock star, and I wanted to be a rugby player. That's what I wanted to do, and all I ever loved was just playing rugby. That was my identity, Um, and I think what happens is it's really important when we're younger to have some sort of identity, whatever that is, because it's quite a scary world and you feel lost and. And I think, especially nowadays, we had that a lot. And so my identity was sport. Everyone knew me for the sporty guy. I was the captain of all the sports. Um, And when I was uh, on rugby tour in Italy, I caught the ball, and I ran around the pitch, and I went past this guy, and he left his leg out, so I tripped over it, and another guy landed on top of it, and the leg just jackknifed. It was pretty horrendous, actually. And I remember lying on the ground and grabbing my knee and just saying, oh, my God, my knee, my knee, my knee. And I got taken to hospital and uh, had an MRI scan, And I remember the MRI scan coming back. And I still to this day, I hated the doctor because the doctor came in and he said, yeah, you're never going to play rugby again. And I went, and he didn't, there was no sort of empathy. It was just straightforward. And how would he have known, right? He doesn't know anything about my life or what happened. But I was so angry and I was so upset that he got taken away from me.
1: How old were you? Sorry. 17. You 17. Yeah, 17. And, and I was, you know, Were you England by yourself trance? when that happened, when he came in? Were you, just, were you just, sorry, were you just sitting by yourself when he... I
0: was with my mum. Yeah, I was with my mum. And, and my mum knew how upset I was. And... Um, it was, yeah, it was bad, but it was also the biggest blessing. I I did a, a Elizabeth Day's podcast, Had a Fell, and I actually mentioned it on there Who? because. Sorry? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, some random person. No, I do. She's lovely. <laughs> but um, I said it on there, which is where actually what happens in life is that, weirdly in life, that we, we all of us, when we're young, we have blueprints, right? We go, yeah. I want to. Uh, have this job and get married and have this house and go on this holiday. And everyone's blueprint is different, but you have a blueprint. It's really dangerous to have a blueprint because typically in life, our blueprints don't add up. And so when your blueprint doesn't add up, you then become incredibly upset. Uh, or you know, And that's you know, how you know, your mental health becomes because you haven't lived up to what you want to be. Um, and for me, it was I wasn't going to be this person that I wanted to be. Mm. But it was the biggest blessing I'd ever had.
1: But how do you cope with that? What are your coping mechanisms at 17 when... Somebody I drank just, a lot. Really? Yeah, I just drank yeah.
0: a lot. Yeah, yeah, that was really bad. And that was sort of a bad turning point. Because actually, what happens is, is especially with alcohol, God, do this you, is getting do
1: deep. Do you, yeah, honestly, it always oh does. Oh, God, it gets so deep. I know, I know.
0: And these are guys right. are just like a bunch of voyeurs. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <right>. I know.
1: <laughs> Um, So you were drinking? Yeah. Were you eating loads?
0: Yeah, and I used to eat a lot. Mm. Yeah, it was interesting. So I I I, I drank a lot because what I realised and and you I didn't understand my emotions right, so I didn't know what I was going through, and perhaps I was feeling like anxious and all these different things, but I didn't know what that was at the time. And so I would drink a lot um, because I found you drink.
1: What were you drinking? It was just
0: beer. I just drank a lot of beer.
1: Not spirits, not wine. No, not
0: spirits at that time. But what I found was was suddenly I would drink this drink, and this feeling that I was feeling would disappear. And I was like, well, that's amazing. When I drink this stuff, this feeling that I have disappears. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so that's quite a dangerous area to get into because then... And you then become sort of... You get sort of a, a weird sort of idea of alcohol because then you realise that alcohol can suppress certain feelings. And, yeah, and I remember, I remember so well. Because I, I was eating a lot of food, doing that shop every single day, going paninis and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, obviously, and I wasn't playing sport and I was drinking a lot, I, I was putting on weight. And I was never yeah. putting on weight too much, but I was always a rugby player, so I have quite a strong build. And I remember my mum kept saying to me, You look a bit stocky. And I said, What do yeah. you mean, stocky? She said, Well, you just look, you look a bit stocky. I mean, you know, maybe, you know, cut down on whatever you're eating and things like that. You look a bit stocky. And I went, Ah, oh, whatever. And it was back in the day with cameras. I just, I, <laughs> we don't know what cameras are. It's back in the day with like um, disposable cameras. Yes. And we got, I went on holiday and we got photos developed. And I remember looking at the photo. And it was the first time, and I, and I looked stocky. Mm. And it was the first time in life that I felt shame. Yes. That I was suddenly like, hang on a second, I'm not what I think I am. And actually, I, I'm stocky from eating. So then what happened was, is I became conscious of what I ate.
1: Yeah.
0: And that never happened in my life. I used to eat everything, and I loved everything. But I remember I would then go and buy reduced, <laughs> this is relatable, I used to go and buy reduced fat hummus. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have said Just anything there. I don't know why I was so honest. Taking, <laughs>
1: the, <laughs> taking the joy out of all these
0: yeah. things, reduced fat hummus. But I was embarrassed. So I used mm-hmm. to, uh, my mum used to do the shopping, but then I would hide that I had reduced fat hummus because I wanted to, I was conscious of what I ate. And it's, and it's interesting, right, with, with guys and weight, because we, we have this, we live in this amazing sort of culture now where all sizes are beautiful. You know, in women, typically it's all size of beauty, and that's fantastic. But with guys, still, I find is that you're never going to see a Calvin Klein model who's a guy who's a plus size or overweight or things like that. It's all yes, not yet, not yet, right? And so maybe, yeah, not yet.
1: But not, it, it, maybe it will it,
0: come. Things are coming. Yeah. Things are coming. So the, all guys still now we have to meant to have six packs and things like that. And I yeah. think for the younger generation that's hard to live up to. A,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, sorry. Did I get too deep there?
1: No, no. It's never too deep on this
0: podcast. Let's go deeper. I
1: was. (laughs) You went to Leeds University Mm, to to study drama. Mm. Oh my god! I I just—I mean—I would have watched like a a TV series just about you coping with Leeds, like just. (laughs) I yeah. just used just seeing Northern women, proper Northern women for the yeah. first time, in our full spray-tanned, yeah. tiny dress glory, yeah. you know, Saturday night, and we just, we're out, and we've got no coats, because we're just, we, we, even though it's December, we're yeah. just
0: out with, I like, no tights. Owned a coat. Yeah, no one owned a coat No, in no, no, we don't
1: take them out, because they'll get robbed. <laughs> So anyway, no more seriously, you went to Leeds. How did you, how did you take to uni life? You go to...
0: It was, it was amazing. It was the first moment that I, that I remember thinking, the only thing I have to worry about is dying. That's remember what I think about. I said, all I have to worry about right now is dying. Like, this is insane. This was so exciting. Because I could, I could do anything. I could walk out the house and no one was telling me what to do. Yes. I was like, what? This is amazing. And I remember my very first, my first day, it was like one of these things, I was leaning out the taxi window going, in Lees, and I was looking out, and I looked across the street, and there was a woman punching a guy. <laughs> 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 and I went, oh my lord. And then the next day, I was walking to uni, <laughs> and someone shouted, apple! And I looked to my right, and an apple hit me in the head. <laughs> and the guy had thrown it from a moving car. <laughs> That was my experience to Leeds. Me. That
1: is, that's literally an experience. The tourist information just like, they just <laughs> set that out for
0: you. Welcome to Leeds. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. The, this is the big city, the lights. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a star. <laughs> were you a good
1: university goer? Or were you a good student? Did you go to everything? Did you? No. No. No, no I can see no. by your face. But you put drama. Yes. Like, I mean, you must, that must be quite, all-encompassing, because yeah. they, you must be having to go and, you know...
0: Well, what happened things. was, is that I didn't get the grades to get in. I got... My offer was A, B, B to Leeds, and I got B, B, C. And when I had done my exams, um, I knew I'd done badly, because I just didn't... Re- you know, I was, just didn't revise. Unless I loved something, and I'd gone through this thing with my knee, and I just didn't do well. So, so, unannounced, I went up to Leeds University by myself on the train, and just went and knocked on the drama department door, and said, hi... And they went, who are you? And I said, I'm Jamie. I've just done my A-levels. And I don't think they went well. Um, and, uh, but I really want to come here. And they went, OK. And I said, I just want to talk to you about you know, coming to this university and all these different things. And he said, well, look, we're oversubscribed. But I, I admire your passion and your confidence for coming up here. And, and he said, I'll remember you. And I went, OK, fine. And I got my uh, results. And they were BBC. And I went on to my UCAS. And I had an unconditional offer. Because I'd gone up and knocked on the door and asked and and, and spoke to these people up there. Do you know what yeah.
1: I am interested in, though? You've done drama, mm. which is a, a curious thing that you've done. You were very sporty, and now mm. you're doing drama. Mm. About fame. I mean, because I, I read what you said about fame. Yeah. You, know, you were obviously doing drama with a bid to try... Totally. Yeah, And then you've said, I think what people think is that it's going to change everything for you. And they think that your world's going to blow up. But actually nothing really changes. Yeah. So you graduate from Leeds. You quickly join Made in Chelsea. And then you get fame. How does that? You get fame. you You get the thing.
0: Well, fame's a really dangerous thing because um, when you, when you um, want to be famous, which I think I obviously... I always wanted attention. And so I was always wanting attention from my parents and always wanting attention all the time. And so then I think what happened was is I wanted to do Made in Chelsea because um, I wanted to become famous because I thought if I was famous, then everyone would like me. And so then it would solve everything. And the problem with that is that when you, it, when you become famous and you, you don't have a talent... So if you become famous and you're a musician, that's great because you sell more records or you go on tour, whatever it is. When you're a movie star and you become famous, it's good because you're, you get acknowledged more so you get more movies. When you're a reality star and you just become famous, you're just famous for be, for doing nothing. And so what happens is, is that you think all your problems are going to go away, but actually what happens is you're just famous. And so then you're unemployable because you're famous. And also you're then just left with people just knowing who you are and you don't, it doesn't give you anything. People just want to take your photo more, and that's it. And so, what happens is, is that you then go into this spot where you go, Holy smokes, I've maybe made the wrong decision here. And so, you, you have to. So, when you're. It's like business, right? It's, you know, in business, I always say the same thing. When people are setting up a business and they just go after money, right? It always seems to fail because you're having the wrong vision, the wrong aim, and the wrong desire. And it's the same when you go into television. If you're going into it to become famous, you're going after the wrong thing because once you get the fame, it's not gonna cure everything. Um, Matt Damon said when he won his Oscar uh, for *Goodwill Hunting, he said it's the best thing that ever happened to him to win it so young, because he realized how meaningless it was. And so he wouldn't spend the rest of his life trying to achieve an Oscar. And actually that's so true. So when I gained fame, I was like, oh my God, what happens now? And when nothing happened, you go, oh God, now comes the work where you have to try and make a career out of something.
1: But you became famous. I was sorry, you became famous. No, (laughs) I was (laughs) just so emotional. Um, You became famous very quickly, overnight, very well known. How did your mum and dad cope with that? I mean, what did they make of it? You were massively famous in all of the tabloids.
0: Well, I, I think, again, that's a really so mum and dad didn't understand it. And still, to this day, the only thing they've ever watched me on is Strictly. And when my dad went, oh, I actually quite like you on this. So they never really watched anything. So they didn't
1: like the they hated cheeky me. chappy no. character that they were. No, I mean, it's... I was going to say they were editing you into, but you, you know, you are,
0: you are cheeky. Yeah, but also, it's the same with this... Okay, there's the same with this sort of TikTok thing at the moment, right? Everyone wants that viral, like, a video, right? Yes. That's what everyone wants. But actually, that's a really dangerous thing because when you get that instant fame, the only place to go is down. You can't continue going up. So actually, it was, it was... Getting instant fame wasn't a great thing either because you don't really... Again, you're left with nothing. And my parents really didn't enjoy the fact that I was famous for going around and kissing lots of people. That wasn't that cool. <laughs>
1: When you're on Made in Chelsea, I think they show you having extravagant meals. But this is comfort eating. What do you all actually eat? Uh, What do you eat? Do you eat together?
0: Yeah. what's delicious. We had something called a snack box, which we would basically be on set all the time. And the snack box is filled with... Sausage rolls, crisps, chocolate—all those different things. So we would just, everyone would just eat the, the snack box the entire time, and it was the greatest thing, and it went everywhere. But as the years got on, the snack box just got worse and worse. To begin with, it was like everything. Towards the end, it was just like, well, here's a muffin, and that's <laughs> yeah. all it was. Um, was there a
1: special place that you ever hung out, and like Chelsea, or did you go
0: sort of cafe, yeah, or? We used to. It was the typical that we used to go to the Bluebird. A lot. that's what it was on the King's Road we used to go there oh, yeah god that's so unoriginal um, but we did we used to go I there I love
1: the fact that you I, I, I really thought you know just some tiny little place down a back street and nope. you just all went to the Bluebird which yeah. is the most exposed place that you could possibly
0: go real mainstream yeah. as, and
1: did you go as a gang
0: we used to go as a gang um, but I suppose it, for the little restaurants that uh, we used to go to I, I, I'm a huge fan of sushi I love Japanese um And on special occasions, my friend Spencer and I used to go to a place on Wall Street called Dining's, which is a sushi restaurant. Have you been? I gave them such a bad review.
1: No, (laughs) no. You're not like you don't have shares in it or anything.
0: No. (laughs) Did you not like it? Why didn't you like it? Oh, do you want me? Oh. Yeah, quick! I want to know. So bad. It's it's awful. (laughs) I'm so
1: no right. Okay. um, Yeah. At the time that I went, do you know mm. something? The time I went, the sushi was not good. It was very warm. Mm. It's massively expensive. Mm. Do, you, do, you, do you go to the SW3 one? Yeah. That's the worst one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, that's but, but sushi was, it used to be not a cool thing. Didn't it? And then yeah. not a cool thing or delicious thing. People didn't really understand it. Do you eat with, Spe- with Spencer? Yeah. I, I, does,
1: I, does Spencer share food? I'm no. passing fascinated by this. Spencer doesn't share food. Spencer
0: has this thing where, honestly, okay, you have to bring, honestly, like a, like a headband, because it's a race. So, <laughs> and, and so he goes, right, are you ready to go? And you're like, oh my God, please, I'm starving. He's like, ready, set, go. And he's into it. And he does this thing where he orders for the table. So he'll say, right, um, we should get probably a little pizza and a pasta with that and put it on the table as well. I'm like, okay, how much for you, you got lasagna and a pasta and everything going on? <laughs> and he eats like anything I've ever seen before
1: so you loved the sweets in yeah. the snack box you've obviously gone on to work in the confectionery business starting your business candy kittens how big a part of your life was sweets when you were a child
0: it was um, huge I was I was scared of the dark and um, I still am and um, my, my brother so I used to share a room Hang with my on, brother are you scared of the dark yeah I actually am scared I still have to sleep with a light on sorry that's a bit weird I said that isn't it yeah <laughs> kidding um, but, um, yeah I, I'm scared of the dark I but, still but the we, full the big light no not the full light No, no. the little light the, like I put one in the corner and, I don't know do you have a lava lamp No, I don't have a lava lamp. what does
1: your what does your fiancés does she know that that's forever that, that she's never gonna sleep with a light <laughs> yeah, off ever again
0: <laughs> yeah and still to this day oh god it's revealing this podcast um <laughs> I, when, when you walk up the stairs to the bedroom, and, and as you walk up, the bed's right there. So if you sort of get halfway up the stairs, your, your eyeline is looking under the bed. And every single time I walk up and look under the bed and go, ah, yep, nothing there.
1: <laughs> what Still, do you think's going to be there?
0: I don't know. The elves. The <laughs> elves! <laughs> making the chicken rolls. I don't Have know. you
1: seen the film of the Babadook?
0: Yes. They, you should Terrifying. never watch that. That's... Bad, but that one. Oh, my God. So, um... So my brother used to tell me uh, stories of Jamie and Sweet World to help me fall asleep at night. And um, this is totally true. And so I, had a w- I was fascinated. I thought you were going back for the Scotch egg.
1: Oh God, no! <laughs> no, no. I can yeah. still taste it. Yeah, it's delicious. like that kind of that trans fat. Like, do you know what I mean? That kind of trans was what's it called? The fat.
0: It, yeah, it gets stuck yeah, in the back. Yeah, it's delicious. So
1: Go on, sorry. Tell me about Jamie and the Jamie and the Sweet. Jamie the and Sweet World. Yeah. So he yeah. used to tell me
0: the story. So I had this, world, this this fascination with sweets, but this world made of sweets. And I, I wanted sweets that didn't damage your teeth. That was my sort of dream. Uh, and then cut to uh, when I was about 19 years old, I went to New York, and I came across Dylan's Candy Bar, which is Ralph Lauren. This is Ralph Lauren's daughter's Dylan Ren. her sweet shop, this incredible sweet shop. It's like the Harrods of sweet shops. It's amazing. And I said, well, I want to replicate this in the UK. So I came back to the UK and I said, I want to make a sweet shop. That's what I want to do. My, all my dreams come true, and I want to call it Candy Kittens. And Candy was the... Um,
1: mean Candy Kittens. Candy Kittens, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was the name right from the beginning?
0: Right from the beginning. Why? Uh, uh, it, was, <laughs> it was the name from the beginning because Candy was the universal term for confectionery, and the kittens were the really uh, good-looking people who were going to sell the sweets. <laughs> 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 I. Uh, <laughs> Let's
1: just leave him with this.
0: <laughs> and I had this idea, and um, I just had this fascinating... I wanted to make this world made of sweets. Cut to meeting my business partner, and I said, I've got this great idea, and it's going to be candy can, it's going to be a sweet shop, and it's going to be these really amazing people, and they're going to be selling these sweets, and we're going to have this incredible... He said, no, let's not do that. Let's make packets of sweets, and let's sell them around the country. And I went, well, that's boring. He said, no, trust me, that's a better idea. And I said, okay, well, if we do that, we have to make it for all ages... And we have to not just aim it at young kids and put farm animals in the packets, but make it sexy, cool, fun, and exciting. And he went great. And I said, let's make it vegan, because that's kind of funky. And I hear this thing's called vegan. Let's do that. And he went, all right, let's do that. And I said, oh, we should make it gluten-free as well. So all of my naivety, that I had no clue what I was doing, had literally no clue, kind of led to our success, because now everyone is kind of going down that vegan route. And everyone's going down that gluten-free route. And the reason why we did it is because we were naive. We didn't know what we were doing.
1: Has Reinventing yourself as a modern-day Willy Wonka.
0: (laughs) Made me creepier.
1: (laughs) 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 Has it um, affected your love for sweets?
0: No, it, it's, it's gone up. Sweets, are, sugar in general, is you know it, there's a big thing around sugar and things like that. So what we try and do with our sweets is we say they have no nasties. So we make, if it you know typically it's so boring, but typically with sweets, if it says it has real fruit juice, that's apple juice and orange juice concentrate. That's what's in the sweet. If we have a blueberry sweet, we make it with blueberry juice. If we have a raspberry sweet, we make it with raspberry juice. And we do it with coconut water and all these different things. So we try and make the best sweet possible. And we remove all the animal gelatin and all these different things. And that's why we're a premium price, because we can't... The margins wouldn't work otherwise because it's incredibly hard to make them work. Um,
1: outside of candy kitten can- mm. sweets what's your favourite sweet?
0: Oh, my God. Um, there's the... <laughs> I've never actually said this before. Uh, my favourite sweet are these French sweets called Surf's. Okay. They are delicious. What flavour? Uh, they're sour. But mm. not the sour... You don't like sour no, sweets? No, I'm
1: not a sour... I don't like... I oh don't, my, they I are don't all... want to choose to put something sour into my mouth, I don't like it.
0: (laughs) They are so sour that if you eat too many then you get that burn on your tongue. That's when you know you've had a really good sour sweet. They're delicious and amazing. Apart from that, candykins are the best.
1: (laughs) Do you buy packets of them abroad and bring them home and have them in the house?
0: If we ever launch in a new retailer or a new store or a new, uh, I don't know, whatever it is, I always go to that place and I buy the first packet and I zip it through.
1: Last year, you made the decision to leave Made in Chelsea. Yeah. After 10 years. Yeah. Why?
0: Um, lots of reasons. Um, uh, my relationship, I met my wonderful fiance. I, I always said that I would never fall in love on the show. And I, and I, and I dated lots of people, but I don't think I was ever truly in love. And it's hard to define what love is, right? Um, but I met Sophie, and she, was just, she is just better than me in every way she's pretty you know when someone is great when people look at you on the street and they go how you know that's when you know you've done well and I go I don't know yeah, I on, look,
1: it's really bad isn't it because my guy is fit and I see people I see all the women doing that yeah. I see all the women looking at us and going how <laughs> how huh?
0: Punching, yeah. but it's great. It's awful, isn't it? No, yeah, it's, it's so good to punch. That's the best way to do. I don't know what Sophie says. She doesn't go out punching because she's obviously not. Um, <laughs> she goes, yeah, like, I wanted to punch down, um, but uh, she's incredible. She's amazing, and I fell in love with her. And uh, doing a reality show is heavy on the soul. It, yeah, it really is. It's heavy because you're constantly in battle. Um, you're uh, you're in a food chain where unless you're trying to be dominant or trying to argue or trying to be this or whatever, you then go down the pecking order. So you have to be pretty strong and, about yourself. And, and I'd done it for a long time. And I had clung on to it because I was so fearful of what could happen. I was fearful of the unknown. Um, and so when I met Sophie, I realized that actually it was either going to be this relationship was going to work or I was going to do Maine in Chelsea. And I thought, no, I just want this relationship to work. And it was just different. There was something, I remember saying to my mum, she says, Who, you're dating some guy?" I said, yeah, I'm dating this person called Sophie. And she said, okay, well, how long is this going to last? And I, said, <sighs> and I said, no, it's different. Yeah. And she said, really? And I said, I don't know why, it's different. And it just felt different. You got engaged? Yeah.
1: You live together in Notting Hill?
0: Yeah. Who cooks? She does. Yeah, not me. She's an incredible cook. As I, she's an amazing cook. As I said, my palate is really not very good. We went on holiday once and we had sushi of all things, and um, it arrived, and she's pescatarian. And it arrived, and I ate it. And I went, that's weird. Why would they put tuna and melon together? She went, that's one. So she ate it, and she said, that's foie gras and apple. I couldn't tell yeah. the difference between the two. So she cooks everything, and she's an incredible cook.
1: Have you ever uh, treated her to the scotch egg and mayonnaise roll?
0: She has never eaten it in her life. She refuses to eat it. And I keep saying, you don't know what you're missing out on. And then I'm going to go and say, listen to your, this podcast. I'm going to get her to listen to your <laughs> podcast. And then she's going to go and eat it because you devoured that.
1: <laughs> you're tracking the build-up to the big day on your own podcast. Honestly, this feels like a frankly mad to, thing to do. Sorry. Um, because it's a really emotional thing. But you're tracking the, the build-up in nearly Weds that you co-host with her. What's working together like?
0: Um, it's in, it's 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 amazing because she's so she's way funnier than me, and I realize that I'm a bit of a tryhard. I try and be funny and I try and do things. She's just naturally funny. Um, and what it was with Nilly Weds is that I was experiencing this whole engagement, this marriage. You know, I, we were speaking about before when I when we when I proposed to her. You're expecting fireworks to go off and everything to change. And it's going to be this. And we sort of went, what do we do? Should we go spinning? Like, what do we do (laughs) now? And then we had this conversation, which I said to you, is that you sort of say, I went, well, this is the biggest gamble of our lives. Like, we're strangers. What's happening here? It is a gamble. It's a huge gamble. And then you go in the process of getting actually married. And then you realise that, I didn't realise flowers cost that much. Yeah. I'll go and pick them. Like, honestly. Yeah. And... She took me the other day to go and having a wedding scent. That is the most bougie thing. A that, wedding scent? A wedding scent. You can bottle a scent and give it to everyone because everyone wants to remember the smell of your wedding. And, and I said to the lady there, I said, God, she said, what do you want to call it? And I said, regret. <laughs> but this is
1: what I mean. You are going to document this yeah. in a podcast and things are going to get heavy.
0: Things get very heavy. Um, we are eight episodes in now, and we still haven't found a venue. Uh, we still haven't got a date. Um, we haven't got anything, to be honest. Um, and I think You've just she...
1: got a podcast. Yeah, we've just... So romantic.
0: Yeah, yeah. And nothing says sexy like another podcast.
1: What food are you serving at the wedding?
0: We, do you know what? We, we are going out to... Because she so grew up in Spain, so she, she grew up over there, and... Um, uh, well, she wants to get married out there, so we're going out there to find our, our food. And apparently that is the best bit about getting married, is that you go go and taste food. And vol-a-von I can't wait.
1: so nice. Have you had a volavon? Volavon. Well, there you go. <laughs> a volavon? Volavon. A volavon? Volavon. What is a volavon? It's
0: a volavon! Volavon? Volavon. <laughs> what is volavon? Does everyone know what volavon is? Yeah, yeah I'm only kidding. <laughs> You get your vol Delicious, can't wait. It's, I love the jam in it. You maybe,
1: <laughs> you maybe put some chicken supreme in there. A bit of maybe some mushrooms in a white wine sauce. Yeah, can't wait. A L- little mini quiches. So
0: it's not a dessert.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so no vol au no Something vol-a-vons. a little bit posher. Something. Well, I
0: don't think. I think so. I went to a wedding once. One of my great friends, and they and they served fried chicken. And, yeah. and still to this day, it was one of the things that I remember. It was one of the greatest uh, meals. Because it was easy, it was fun, it wasn't fancy. And actually, at, at weddings, um, I think people try and over-fancy the food, but actually keeping it simple and fun. And for me, it's about having an ice cream uh, counter. Yeah. That I can just lie on. <laughs>
1: and
0: yeah. Yeah, that's what I want, just an ice cream counter.
1: I have one more question for you. Is that it? That's
0: it. Lock the doors. You're going nowhere.
1: No more Made in Chelsea? No. Soon to be a married man yes what's next?
0: Um, divorce <laughs> I'm kidding I'm kidding. Um, uh, do you know what um, for for me if i if I'm lucky enough to uh, be a dad, I think that would be pretty cool. Um, I think that actually you know i I, I sort of hid away from responsibilities for so long. Because I I thought being Peter Pan was the coolest thing in the world. I thought you could stay young forever. And then I realized that was pretty weird. And um, and actually having responsibilities is important in life. And so if we are able to have kids and that all works out and everything's good, I think being a dad would be the coolest thing in the world. You You know how... Shall I give the real answer now?
1: (laughs) You know how nervous I was before I came on? Yeah. You have been a bloody delight.
0: Ah, thank you so much.
1: (laughs) Jamie Lang thank you for comfort
0: eating thank you so much thank you to everyone here thank you so much
1: (laughs) this is the Guardian this special episode of comfort eating was recorded live at the podcast show in London and was produced by Jack Claremont and Joel Grove and mixed by solomon king thanks for listening